Hi, I'm Diane Pershing, and I am the original voice of Poison Ivy, and you're listening to Batman, the animated series podcast. Okay, Crusaders, and welcome to another edition of Batman, the animated series podcast. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and with me as always is my co-host, my brother, comic book artist and writer, and the guy who's the rose to my thorn, it's Mr. Will Robson. Say hello, Will. Hello, everybody. How you doing, bud? Just sipping on a nice, crisp, cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> Stick around to the post-credits to find out our very lengthy discovery of Coca-Cola's slogans and how marketing works. Yes, I got sidetracked and I decided to look up every slogan to Coca-Cola. Anyway, this is a podcast about Batman. And yeah, I'm doing okay, bud. I Yesterday, oh, it's Resident Evil weekend. For anybody that likes Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4 Remake just came out. I've already... Watch somebody play through the whole game because I don't play them myself because I'm too much of a wimp to do that. But I really enjoy watching people play them. And uh, if you're listening to this, because we're releasing this episode a day early, isn't that correct? On Tuesday. Oh, yes. And that is because of two reasons. One, I don't think I've even said this on the podcast yet, but my Kickstarter has been fully funded. Which is absolutely amazing. And I know there's a lot of backers that listen to this show, so... Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I cannot thank you enough. This book is going to be made now, which is so exciting. So cool. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if this is your first time listening, uh, I have a book on Kickstarter called Outbreaks, which is a zombie anthology comic, uh, and it's really fun. And I just launched the first issue of it. And because we've not only got funded, but we've hit a certain stretch goal, uh, my brother and I on Tuesday, the day you're listening to this, if this is your first time listening to this, are going to be live on YouTube giving away free signed comics from my career. So I've got, yeah. I went into my garage yesterday and I got a huge stack of comics next to me. Well, what can they expect to possibly win? I've got the first issue of Great Lakes Avengers, which is the first ever Marvel series I ever drew. So I will be signing that. Uh, I've got some Joker, which I'll be signing, giving away um i've got the first ever a uh, piece of my writing which was in red sonia that i'll be signing and giving away and i'll be giving away uh, a vampirella book which is the first ever comic i fully wrote and drew by myself uh, in a professional way plus many many more i've got a huge stack next to me but i'm thinking of giving probably one away every 10 minutes and we'll go for an hour and so we'll give six away maybe at the end we'll do like a quick like bonus let's say we'll give 10 away in, in is, it, is it gonna be like um inside the actor's studio or something or you know like on that level where i'm going to be interviewing and be like at the age of nine that would be hilarious <laughs> when you had your first wife. or should we just fucking eat spicy wings and ask each other questions <laughs> i can't be signing comics whilst eating spicy wings <laughs> but I happily watch you eat wings bud what's the date on that that would be march 28th march 28th tuesday at 1 p.m eastern standard time for america 6 p.m for the uk me and my brother on my YouTube and I'll be signing comics and giving them away. And basically if you want to be entered into this raffle, this is being given away to anybody who backed the Kickstarter at a physical pledge level. And that means if you bought a physical copy of the book, you know, a printed copy, then you are entered into this competition and you might win. You may not even be watching the live stream, but you could win anyway. So yeah. So we'll see you all there. And if you're listening to this, 
after the fact, then you missed out. Sorry. Yeah, you missed out. But the Kickstarter ends on Friday, so there's still plenty of time to back. And then I'm pretty sure I'm going to be launching the second issue either in September or October. I haven't figured out the date yet. But yes, again, thank you so much to everybody. I'm very excited. This book's going to be real, but it's going to be in my hands. I'm going to be able to hold it physically. It's crazy. It's amazing. Um, And obviously at the top of this episode, everyone just heard the voice of Poison Ivy. Diane Pershing is going to be on today and we've got an amazing interview lined up. But first, buddy, let's get into a Caped Capers scenario. Okie doke. Showtime. The Joker's escape from Arkham Asylum, Robin. All work and no play, you know? It's gonna be one of those nights. I don't have time for jokes. Hey, no problemo, Batman. Quiet. Come on, let's do a pizza run. You don't touch anything, say anything, or do anything unless I tell you. Got it? Relax. You've had a busy day. Okay, this week's Cape Capers has been written in by Reese Berriday. Listener Reese has said, Batman and Robin go to Metropolis to warn Superman that a collection of villains is forming their own supergroup, which they've named the Legion of Doom. Okay. So, we got Superman, which I think we've done a brief cameo where you just, like, did this voice, like, hi, I'm Superman. But, um... Because they went to like the Justice Hall or whatever. Oh yeah, do you remember yeah. that? But that was like early days before he really nailed down the Cape Caper scenario. So as is tradition, we've got a new character here, Superman, and we can open it up to any sort of celebrity impression or pop singer or whatever you want to do. So you got anyone in mind for Superman for this? For some random reason, John Wayne has come to mind for Superman. <laughs> But I've never done a John Wayne impersonation, so I have no idea if I can at all do that. Well, let's, okay, let's hear it. How's it going there, partner? It's me, Superman. Nope, that sounds like shit. It's all right. It's not. It's more like Woody from Toy Story. That's true. Uh, well, there was someone that I had in mind. Okay. I had in mind Sylvester Stallone, who was Ugh. almost cast as Superman at one point. He was... Uh. <laughs> Uh, that's yes i'm happy for stallone to be yeah. superman that's fine will you do the metropolis <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's let's set the scene so okay oh geez batman i've just heard the news there's a whole group of supervillains that are forming a, 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 a big old bad group called the legion of doom really cool name by the way batman. now how did you hear about this robert are you still in contact with the penguin <laughs> mm. We're friends on Facebook. All right, so we need to get into we need to get into Batplane because we need our own group, Batman. And you know we got to go for the best superhero ever, the one with all the powers. Me? Yeah. Well, you're already here, Robin. You you chose the right guy. What are you? This is awkward, Batman. But I'm talking about Superman. Oh, that that cut me to my core, Robin. I'm already in the Batplane, Batman. Let's go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Just flies away. Yeah. Bye, Batman. <laughs> Batman, I'll see you there. Bye. Batman has to like paraglide over there. He's like, fuck. <laughs> well, I hate Metropolis. It's so sunny. It is so bright. It's like my costume, Batman. So bright and sunny. Oh, you know what? You fit in way more in the, in, around here than you do in Gotham City. I kind of do, right? Like, why do I wear red and yellow in the dark? I don't, we ask, me and Alfred ask that question every day. <laughs> oh, look, Batman. Look. There's, there's an explosion over there, which one, which means eh, that... Not my city, not my problem, you know what I'm saying, Robin? <laughs> well, let's go, let's go check it out, Batman. Fly the plane over there. Come on, Batman, yeah, come right. on. Well, 
Stop being such a poopy pants. All right, Batman. Poopy pants. <laughs> All right, Batman. Any minute now, he's going to show up. Ready? There's a crime in progress. He's going to show up any minute. Are you excited, Batman? <laughs> Superman, how you doing? You know, I do know a lot of things. It's kind of my thing to know things. So what? We'll, what we'll brings you to Metropolis? Uh, my my ward here, who looks like he fits way more into your city. Hi. <laughs> well, it's just because he's so stupid sometimes. So I figured, like, you're in mid conversation, he's delayed in his response. What, like Kevin from The Office? Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi, Clark. Is this your first time in Metropolis? No. I came here last week to take out a young lady known as Lois Lane for a hot date. You going out to Lois? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Instead of Adrian, Lois! <laughs> hey, yo, Lois. <laughs> That'd be great. So Matt comes back from long day away. Hey, yo, Lois. Oh, Lois, I did it! <laughs> I beat <laughs> I beat the toy man. Should we just chuck Lex Luthor into the mix? Just sure. because whoever he's going to be. Oh, who could he be? Um, or we could do a politician because he was president at one point. So like, and like, I did not have sexual relations with Lois Lane, but I am wearing her underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're doing all the impressions on this one. Oh, I'm sorry. oh, look, look, uh, it's Lex Luthor, the famous politician. Well, huh? Oh, no, it's like John Wayne. <laughs> well, how he do there, partner? <laughs> I don't think I've ever done a bill. Is that Bill? Hello? Yeah, that's good. Is yeah, that you... Bill, Bill, Bill Clinton? I mean, Lex Luthor? That's me. Hey. Batman, it's Lex Luthor. It's Superman's oh. greatest villain. <laughs> Uh, Coke, you drink a Coca Cola, kids. It tastes good. Hey, you know, Lux, what are you, uh, what are you doing here? Now listen to my sweet jazz music. Where's that Lois Lane at? You could come to Lex Corp, and maybe you can come with me into the the Oval Office and uh... suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. But don't tell nobody about it. Last time I got into some big trouble with Hillary. You best believe I did that. <laughs> oh, about three times. <laughs> three I, hours. I, I was watching, you know. <laughs> I, I was checking it out, you know. <laughs> yo, yo, hey, yo, Bill. I mean, Lex. Oh, Superman's, a bit of, Superman's a bit of a perv, you know. He just he likes to <laughs> he likes to watch. I saw you with you know my X-ray vision, and I realized that you're more of a taker than a giver as a lover, and I think that makes you greedy and lazy. <laughs> Well, that is true. That is the point of what I do for my country and for my penis. <laughs> all right, Batman, I'm bored of this and I want to go home. <laughs> See, hey, haven't you? Let's all wrap this up, Sherry Robin. Haven't you learned your lesson? Gotham is where you belong. Bye, Batman! <laughs> <sighs> In the bat plane, gone. <laughs> He's got a fucking paraglide back to Gotham. Hey, hey Bill, do you know any like kids in their twenties that would want to be a ward with a guy? Uh, my name is Lex. 
Oh, you're sure it is. We all know you changed your identity and shaved your head <laughs> to try and go away from your past political travesties. <laughs> I did not have sex with Lois Lane. <laughs> it just says that after every <laughs> sentence. <laughs> but I, I really wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. All right, that's the end of Batman and Robin meet Superman and Lex Luthor in Metropolis. That's for you, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he plays the trumpet. That was what I did before in the skit when he was playing the saxophone and he came in with the, the jazz. Oh, I didn't get that bit. Butter, 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 jazz. It's not the end of the skit, you know? We no, do. it is. We're done. But it ain't over until Lex plays his saxophone, baby. <laughs> little Baker Street action for you. <laughs> I wish Lois Lane was down <laughs> on her knees. <laughs> Don't tell my wife, Miss Luther, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it fucked up that he did that shit? It's really fucked up. Fucking hell. And that dramatization of it. Crazy. Clive Owen and... That was really good. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Am I right? What a piece of shit. I'm going to abuse my position of power to have sexual relations with many women because I am a piece of shit. <laughs> so if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a written review on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now as it helps us back grapple up the charts and attract both new listeners and guests. Tell a friend about the pod or share it on your socials as that's the fastest way to grow a podcast. Also, go follow us on social media at batman tas pod on instagram on tiktok on facebook on youtube everywhere but twitter which is at batman tas pod one and that's because why because we are the number one batman the animated series podcast you got damn right and go check us out specifically on tiktok and instagram because there's lots of cool stuff i recently started up a little fun game of which episode is the better episode out of two episodes from the series so i put uh, the Laughing Fish up against Joker's Favor. And there's been a lot of debate Ooh. over that, which is a good debate. And then the other one is Trial versus Almost Got Him. Both very good. Oh, those are tough choices. Right? But yeah, so go check it out. You can vote over on Instagram. Those are available right now to go and... Uh, I don't think I could vote on either of those, bud. It's tough, but a lot of people have made some really good points. So it's been, yeah, it's been good. And also on our socials or in the description of this episode, you'll find our Linktree account, which includes a tip jar where you can give us any amount of money you can afford to give if you so wish. Podcasts cost money and have become even harder to monetize these days. And as we are billionaire playboy philanthropists, any amount you can afford to give us is not necessary, but always greatly appreciated, especially to listener Dave Cox, who just recently tipped us 20 quid, which was so generous. Thank you, Dave, so much. I know you did it because you know me, but you're still a good dude. And we had a good chat after the fact. And Dave has not really seen Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah. and, I t and I told him, like, if you've got HBO Max, you've got it. And I was recommending episodes. And the first one he watched was Almost Got Him. And he was giving me, like, a live play-by-play -play of, like, text as he was watching it. Like, oh, my God, this is cool and this is happening. And then there was a moment where, like, he was quiet for, like, four minutes. And I was like has the twist happened yet? And he's like, Killer Croc is Batman! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, thank you very much, Dave. He pledged on my Kickstarter as well, and he pledged very generously. Cannot thank him enough for that. Always a lovely dude. And yeah, we missed you. Yeah, we do. 
And finally, you can follow me everywhere at Chef Alex Robson, and you can also follow Will on his socials to stay up to date on what he's working on now and get a glimpse into the work day of a comic book artist and writer. Will, where can our listeners find you? Anywhere at Robson Inc. And it's Robson I-N-K, where I'm posting all the time, baby. That's right, baby. All right, let's get into some quick news before we chat with Diane Pershing. First of all, Mayor Hill casting that we did, our live-action fan casting, we had Stanley Tucci go up against the guy who plays Gregory in The Walking Dead. Can't remember his name. It was like Neither Sam, can I. Vanda <laughs> something? I think it was Vanda like something, yep. Um, Stanley Tucci won. So our, That's fine. Our Mayor Hill for our live-action fan cast universe is for Stanley Tucci. And shout-out to TK Adams. If you guys haven't seen, TK Adams on his uh, Instagram is taking all of our casting choices and actually creating beautiful pieces of art where he's showing what that casted actor would look like in that role. So we got someone like Miles Teller, who is Batman Bruce Wayne. You might be like, Miles Teller, let me tell you, he looks like Bruce Wayne and Batman. Absolutely. Show. And we've got people like David Tennant as the Joker, who looks awesome. Or even Nick Offerman as Commissioner Gordon. Which so cool. looks so spot on. Yeah, so if you guys haven't seen it yet, uh, TK Adams, I think it's t.k.adams, on instagram go check it out we've been posting on our socials as well so it will lead you there but he's doing all sorts of ones he's even the next one he's doing i believe is poison ivy who you casted um what was her name anna taylor joy anna taylor joy oh he's done he's done um poison ivy oh yeah poison ivy's out yeah so let me. oh she looks amazing she does look perfect that's great casting choice all right, and then uh, I have one other bit of news. It's a bit of sad news, actually, but it's very recent because Michael Reeves passed away. Michael Reeves was a story editor for Batman the Animated Series. Uh, our last guest, Robert N. Skier, mentioned Michael Reeves quite a lot in that interview because he worked closely with him. He said he was a dear, dear friend. Uh, Robert reached out to me recently and said, Michael has just passed. And he literally was just speaking about him on our last episode. So um, just a shout out to Michael Reeves in general, because what a legend. He wrote Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, the animated movie. He wrote the screenplay for Batman Mask of the Phantasm. He wrote countless episodes of TV shows, including Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Flash, The Real Ghostbusters, Gargoyles, Spider-Man Unlimited. And for Batman, the animated series, he was a story editor or writer on 28 episodes. So the dude has so much just legendary talent. Robert expressed, obviously, how much he meant to him um, and didn't get to express it on the last episode, so I'm just passing that on for him, as well as just fans in general have lost someone as part of this show that just did so much amazing work. So, uh, Michael Reeves, you were a legend. Absolutely. Rest in peace. All right, bud, without further ado, let's get to our chat with Diane Pershing, the voice of Poison Ivy, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, Crusaders, and please join me in welcoming a very special guest to our show. She is the guardian of the green, the lady of lilies, the Venus of flytraps. Please join me in welcoming Diane Pershing, the voice of Poison Ivy. Diane, welcome to our show. Well, thank you so much, Alex, and thank you so much, Will. Um, This is a lovely introduction. I think I'd like to keep it. 
<laughs> You're welcome. I spent uh, many hours typing that. So there you Thanks. go. <laughs> so well, welcome to our show. And obviously, you being the voice of Poison Ivy is why you're here. As always, I do a little research. You were Poison Ivy in 12 episodes of Batman the Animated Series, plus multiple video games for the series, as well as 25 episodes of a show called Gotham Girls, which I didn't yes. know existed until today so i have to first ask you this show gotham girls which is animated just like bruce tim's universe why didn't i know about the show it was in the early 2000s it completely escaped me well from what i remember it was um 15 minute segments little quick internet things ah, i don't okay. it, I, I don't think it was on television right well i you know it, it was like discovering something you know like I don't know, a, a lost chapter of a book I love. Oh, I was, you yeah, know? no, I love doing it. And I got to know Arlene, really, Arlene Sorkin, who played, uh, you know, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Uh, I got to know her really well, and we maintained our friendship. Yeah, no, well, she was she was a delight to work with. There was a almost an improv feeling when we did it, you know, it was great. That's amazing. So yeah. um, going off of that then, after yeah. so many times playing this character, after many years of playing this character, what parts of her do you see yourself in? Like what parts of you did you put into Poison Ivy? And what does she mean to you as a character? Well, she, I've heard that people have thought of her as the first feminist uh, uh, cartoon character, you know, um, in the sense that she... She stood up for what she believed in. She didn't care. She didn't give men power over her. When she spoke to um, Harley later on when they got to be friends and she basically said, you must not let Joker talk to you that way. You cannot, you know, cave to what he wants all the time. That's not, you know, respecting yourself and all that. And um, that's me. I, right, okay. I am that person very much so. I mean, I'm I have nice, soft, gentle sides and all that stuff, but I know how to stand up for myself and I don't take crap from anybody, you know. <laughs> so so I think that part was very wonderful. The the rest of it, the whole sex object thing and the using men and being that that just doesn't ha that's not how I present myself or see myself, you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. Except yeah. vocally, vocally, I did a lot of Cosmetic commercials and and soft, sexy voices. Oh, so there she it, is! There yeah, she is! I yeah. just heard her. So yeah, so when it was time to audition for her, I knew exactly what she sounded like. You also have yeah. a, a very because um, the thing I love about the animated series is it, it's it feels like it's you know a, a film noir that was filmed in either the forties or the fifties, and you have that classic sound to your voice where you sound like that classic Hollywood you know that and that's what yes. I really like that you bring to the character yes and I, when when I looked at the you're probably going to ask me what was it like to audition for this well I'm going to be jumping ahead now and telling you because that was important it was a last minute serendipity out of nowhere thing I was on the show I'd been brought in for a couple of uh, you know slight speaking parts you know, an officer, or this, or whatever, an operator. And the actress who had been uh, apparently considered for the role, at the very last minute, the producers and directors decided she wasn't quite the right thing and they wanted to find somebody new. And Andrea Romano, who I had worked with before, asked me if I wanted to audition for it. So I said, of course. 
Of course, because that's what an actor says. Of course, I can do that, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I looked at the cell, at the picture, and I thought she's kind of a Tinkerbell, but sexy, you know, hormonal <laughs> Tinkerbell, you know, because she has that green outfit and the legs and the sexiness. Um, but yeah, we but were just we were just we were just reviewing your first episode um, yeah, a few weeks yeah. ago, and we commented on that. It's like a like a woodland sort of elf. Like elf, yeah, elf, but but very much a woman, yes, you know, not a not a sweet little elf. And I remember I could have my my sexy voice, which I utilized in a lot of uh, of my jobs. But also, she was a PhD, right? So she had a brain. So you combine the sexiness with a little bit of an edge, because that means brain, you know? Yeah, that's all. And so that's why the voice came real easily to me, and I, and uh, and why I got the part, I guess. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, I can see that. I mean, that is Poison Ivy. So yeah. But when she was pitched to you, I suppose you're like, oh, I can, I can figure out who she oh, is just by in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, definitely, just looking at her, and then also, they were so clever in casting a lot of theater actors, which is what I basically started out as. Really good actors we right. had, people that people that would investigate their character a little bit and bring a little extra work, not just do voices, but bring a bigger, more complex, more, shall we say, nuanced, you know, version of, of, of the character. And um, I was one of those and that's what I did and loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. so when you guys um, were recording the episodes back then, um, I know from uh, we've had guests on the show, it was all done in the same booth. All of you were in the yes. same booth together, which I think yes. is just brilliant. And obviously, I think that's one of the many magical things that go into what the, why the show has lasted for as long as it has and continues to last to yes. this day. So being in the booth together, what was that like as an experience? Like, do you have any uh, particular memories or fond memories of recording in the, the booth for Batman? Well, I, when I grew up, um, just about the time of TV, really. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty old, um, and I loved radio. I would listen to radio. Uh, I was I had to iron my own blouses and skirts for school every day, every every Sunday, and I'd listen to radio plays. I'd listen to, you know, I mean, those Inner Sanctum and all all of those marvelous, the romance of Helen Trent. And I fell in love with the voice, the sounds of voices on the radio. And then later on, before I did Batman, I did a few radio shows kind of thing where we were all in the room. We all had our own mics. We all had our own music stands and our scripts. And I loved it because we could look at each other and react off each other, not use our imagination, you yeah. know, but just, and that was what it was like. It was magic magic especially if if one or more actors start to go on a roll in setting the tone i'm sure that's yes. quite quite infectious right like you can pick yes. up on that yeah the yes. ensemble because most of the voice work i've done in the last 20 years has been just me and from wherever i was in the world and that is how it is yeah, yeah, but you're you're extremely popular in the con circuit. I see you part of Comic Cons all the time. Oh, oh yeah, I do. I'm very lucky because that character, which I had no idea 
uh, is iconic, which I had no idea about until somebody told me five, six years ago, maybe six or seven now, that I had a fan base. And I said, I have what? <laughs> and and I investigated and found out why, by God, I do. And then was contacted by people that do these cons, uh, managers, and they they handle me and they get me out there and God bless them, you know. It's so lovely. We're speaking about your fan base and that this this character is iconic. Yeah. When did yeah. you realize that the show was a smash hit? And did you own a, a Poison Ivy action figure? Oh, I have one. Do you? Yeah. Wait. Uh, again, pause. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Man. Look at that. Oh, that's amazing. That's really cool. That's lovely. This is from the Warner Brothers store, you know, and it was a gift to me. And I have this. Wow. That's and, beautiful. And isn't that wonderful? And it's, it's you know, it's numbered and all that stuff. What's that made of? Like porcelain or something like that? Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's glass. Yeah. That's, or whatever, that's amazing. You know? For, for yeah. everyone listening, she has this amazing, beautiful statue of her character from the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I also have a, an original cell that was a gift from them. Um, and, and, uh, but apart from that, I'm not much of a collector because who has room? <laughs> I mean, I get rid of things now and I don't amass more things. I've got lots of wonderful pictures of people that I met at the cons with autographs and all that nice stuff. That's nice. Yeah. That's all I got. Well, that's amazing. So when did you realize the show was what it was? When I told, I'm telling you. Six, seven years ago, when someone said I had a fan base. That's I said, outstanding. They, I said, for what? And she said, for Poison Ivy. And I said, what? <laughs> and they cool. said, yeah, it's been on the air pretty steadily. It's really popular. And I said, no, really? Wow. It has. It's always been this cartoon that's just lasted um, and has had a fan base of you know people. That, like, I mean, we are in our 30s. It was made for us as kids, so that's why we liked it. But there's kids now watching it and loving it. Three generations, my darling. Absolutely. Yeah. Three generations come up to me at the cons, the the grandfather, the father, the kid. Wow. And they say, you know, at you know, because it's 30 years. And if you were an adult watching it at that time, which a lot of people were, it was made for an adult audience. Kids did it too, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it was so sophisticated, and so they did it. Then those kids grew up, and they had children, and here we are. Well, yeah. I, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, do you have any memory of seeing that Uma Thurman was going to play Poison Ivy on screen? I, re I I have a memory that she did it. I didn't see the movie. Right. I didn't know if you were thinking yeah. if you were sitting with your arms crossed like that's my character or anything like that. Oh no, 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 no. In fact, they continued to use Poison Ivy for years after I was done with it. They they I think the the explanation was that they were trying to go to names instead of journeyman voice actors, which is what I am and always have been, very happily so, believe me. So that's that's interesting because um speaking of Uma Thurman. We've just uh, recently had a writer, uh, Robert Enskier, who wrote several episodes for Batman just on the show. And he was talking about how the movies took a lot from the cartoon series that came before them just a few years before them. And one of the things that was taken was Poison Ivy became this eco-terrorist, right? And that she is, is. 
Yeah, and yeah. that's all down to Paul Dini, the writer Paul Dini, who wrote Poison Ivy in that way and, you know, right. gave her that characteristic. And yeah, with your voice lent with that characteristic, I think is just a perfect blend. Um, oh, it's just thank incredible. You. Thank you. So do you do you have any fond memories of working on the show? Is there anything that you look back on and go, uh, that was joy. a joy. Yeah. Sheer joy. Um, Mark Hamill on my right and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. on my left. And <laughs> and and Kevin across the way left and other people, you know, Paul Williams over there next to I mean, in other words, I have Im I have visual images of the recording sessions yeah. and of having the best time on them because there were so many funny people. And sometimes we were laughing so hard we couldn't get through it. I mean, we <laughs> did because we're professionals, but Joy, working ensemble. I'm also a singer. I get such joy out of singing in a chorus, not soloing. I mean, I do, but you know what I'm saying. There is a feeling, an ensemble feeling of uplifting joy. And it's the same feeling when you have actors in a room all on the same wavelength, all working together. Yeah. They're just, and I would leave those sessions and just be happy for the rest of the day, which is not how it was with all of my work, needless right. to say. And and that 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 makes me really happy because obviously you then deliver your best work possible when you're. Oh, I you're think so. Like yeah, that. yeah, I really and, do. Yeah, because you were you were in what some say is the best episode of Batman the Animated Series. It's titled "Almost Got Him," where almost got him. Oh, people yeah. love that. Yeah, it's People a great love episode. that one. And, you know, that's, you were just talking about how you had Mark and, and Paul Williams and all of these yes, people around yes. you. And that, that episode is just all of the best villains in Gotham sitting at a poker table talking about how they almost killed Batman. And I can just imagine the booth that day with all of you in that booth must have just been incredible. Yeah, because we didn't work with the other villains that often. You know, I was a guest villain and various people were guest villains. They weren't on all the time. Yeah, just basically uh, Lauren as Robin and um, and Kevin as Batman and Alfred uh, Ephraim. I think they were the only real steadies. You know, everybody yeah. else was was you know villain of the week or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. still shocked that you only realized six or seven years ago of the impact because like so I currently draw for DC. I recently drew very small, but I did draw Poison Ivy, and I, I was allowed to draw it any way I wanted, and I drew it. Pretty much oh, exactly yeah, the way. My guy. Yes, yeah, because to me, you. your version of the character is, is the character to me. I don't see it any other way. So I've been told. I, I just <laughs> six only six to seven years ago, someone said, "Hey, by the way, you might want to know that people really love you," <laughs> and, and you you kind of did an iconic. But that's when also you know, and and then somebody told me, and this is honest. This is not. I mean, this is true. I just don't follow cartoons. I'm. That's not the world no, that I live in. You know, that's the only. That's the only reason. I mean, I like them when I see them, but I, I like, you know, with my grandkids, I've watched a lot of animated cartoons, but it isn't the world that I live in. No, and, and this show was said, different. This show is different. From yeah, yeah, yeah. And and somebody said there was a poll of who was the best voice for Poison Ivy, and apparently I win every time, which is so, I mean, it's joyous again. It's lovely. My work is appreciated. That feels lovely. Yeah. Maybe that was the the magic formula that you not knowing 
how much of an impact yeah. you had just you know made well you. none of us knew when we did the True. show yeah i mean kevin either none of us we, it was a job we were so happy to have it it went on for a few years and then you went on to the next thing and right. you you know i've done what a thousand voice things i mean you know just but that was the one yeah that's the one that that just was the one stands out who knew what was yeah. so what's your favorite voice job you've ever done then oh this one yeah oh yeah sure Sure. I mean, I've done, I was the voice of J.C. Penny, you know, for many years. Really? Were you really? Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. but Our mom loved just... those adverts when they were. Okay. Around. Well, that was, we're talking a long time ago, but that was basically, you know, this week on sale, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so that's Poison not. Ivy selling clothes at J.C. Penny. Not really, because I didn't use that voice. You know, I, right. I use my warm, nice salesperson <laughs> voice, you know. <laughs> and then I've done narrations on a few uh, documentaries and stuff like that where I, I got to be a little poetic sometimes and thoughtful. But this was the most fun I've ever had. And once in a while, uh, I think I did some oh, some games where I had to play a dragon and I had to die 50 different ways or something like that <laughs> and make noises and I mean. And it was challenging. That was challenging. And it ripped my voice up, but I did it and it was fine. And the next day my voice was fine because I'm very strong. Yeah. So, you well, know. you're a singer, right? Yeah. So you've I'm a singer. Have... Yeah. 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 That's why. So you, yeah. were one, you were one of the few main characters that were strong female leads in this show. And there were quite a few yes. female characters, but reoccurring, you had Poison Ivy, obviously voiced by you. We had Arlene Sorkin as the voice of Harley Quinn. We had Tara Strong as Batgirl and Adrian Barbeau as Catwoman. So my question is, what was it like being with these amazing actresses? Just as much as you are the definitive Poison Ivy, they are the definitive versions of those oh, characters to, to mostly everyone, right? So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, again, a joy, a professional. Right. And, yeah. and, um, and a good person, too. None of this... We didn't have any of those a-holes, uh, the, the very um, narcissistic diva type personalities on the show. None. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're just they're, they're such great characters. And, um, you know, in the 90s, yeah. uh, especially in, in kids television, that was that was not that common to see strong female characters. You know, no. that, especially people like Poison Ivy, as you said, that's... Um, that had a feminist voice, especially at that time period. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. that was a big leap for the show and everything. So again, I know you didn't know until about seven years ago how big of a character <laughs> she was. But yeah. that's 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 a big deal for the nineties, you know, to have a character like that. So Oh, definitely. Listen, yeah. it's just it's the story of women. You know, we were most except for the thirties when they had all those wonderful females as stars, they could open a movie, you know, the Betty Davis and the, all those people. And they were strong characters, although they usually gave into a man at some point. <laughs> um, but, but it, the woman has been the sexy one or the wife. Right. That's it. Yeah. And so to be actually have a character that was just a little more complex than that. It yeah. was very nice to play her, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, she wouldn't be wiped up by anyone, no way. No. So the saddest thing that's happened from Batman the Animated Series was the passing of Kevin Conroy recently, and being that you worked with him on many an episode and video games and such, what was it like working with Kevin Conroy? Well, he was such a pro. He was just such a pro. He was 
again, one of those non-diva people. He was excellent at what he did. He, the cons is where I got to know him better because when you work in a room with eight other people or whatever it is, and you all say, hey, lovely show, great to see you, goodbye, you go home, that's it. Right. But at the cons, because we're all at the same hotel and sometimes we all go out to dinner or sometimes we meet in the green room, you know, when we have we have pictures with some I have this lovely picture of me and Dick Van Dyke. I look great in it. <laughs> so come on, let's just have a little ego here. Yeah. Anyway, but he looks just amazing. This was from about five years ago. Yeah. When I got to also meet some people that I had a crush on. You know, I mean, actors who, ah, that kind of thing. And oh, got, who, did not, Boyce, who did Boyce and I I'm have a not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. not going to tell you. <laughs> I will just tell you, though, that I really did get to get hugged by one of my favorite television people. And that's going to be the end of that story. <laughs> and, and his name but, was Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> not even close. No. Anyway, Kevin, you know... I was sort of shocked at how deeply saddened I was by his death. Yeah. Um, not because, of course, I was sad, but deeply saddened. It was like a part of me was gone. And I think from doing the cons all those years and seeing him and seeing the fans lined up in the morning and him getting on this chair and going, oh, I am Batman, and everybody going, <laughs> yay! So... I knew he was ill that last year. Right. Uh, we knew. We all knew. But he was private. He didn't talk about it at all. And we got the message not to ask about it. That's Man, the... he kept showing up till like a week before. He kept wow. showing up. Wow. I love doing the panels with him. He was great fun, you know. He was the anchor, right? Well, he was the anchor. Uh, but I was sort of the, <laughs> I was sort of the, the comic. I mean, I'm very fast on my feet uh, right. in, in front of in front of the public, you know, and um, and we used to tease each other during the panels. And uh, usually I got the last word in. <laughs> well, that's really nice yeah. that you had moments like that as well outside. Oh, of recording. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So is there anything that you haven't been able? Let me rephrase that. Is there any question that hasn't really been asked that you thought that would be a fun thing to be asked or to talk about before we we close this out? Well, just to get on my soapbox a little bit, uh, people that think voiceovers are an easy way to pick up a few bucks, which I have heard people say and ask me, and I tell them actually, no. First of all, it's a very crowded field now, now that we're we're global. There's just, you don't have to be in New York or LA or Chicago anymore, you know. Right. Um, number one. Number two, there really is a craft to voice acting. There really is microphone technique, uh, timing, not popping your, your peas, knowing where to stand. Um, and there really is learning to express through your voice what you can't show people. So you have to it's it's different than stage acting or film film acting which is very very underacted stage which is overacted but voices are kind of in the middle and it takes years and a lot of hard work and it also takes discipline and not 
being a pain in the ass. (laughs) That's really, really. Now, once they get big, they can be a pain in the ass and people will, you know, lick their boots and say, fine. But really, work ethic is crucial. It's not a real easy way, way to make a living. I was very lucky. I got in and I, I, I really was one of the top women in L.A. for about 20, 25 years. And we made inroads. And as far as women being able to do more of the stuff that was classically male, uh, station breaks and all of that coming up now, you know, that you yeah. hear women now. You, you didn't hear women back when I, I was there. I mean, I, I pushed for it. I was the first female, I think, on, on CBS. Wow, you know, okay. doing, wow. Doing promos and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I guess that's what I'd like to say from my from my soapbox for a minute is it's not easy. Um, it's harder than it looks. And if you really have a fire in the belly for it, go for it. But if you don't, get a different job. I feel the same way when it comes to to drawing, because that's what I do right. for a living. And right. It's a it's a competitive business that not everyone can stomach and you know a lot of people think like oh you draw for a living that sounds easy i'm like well i'm not like a kid on the floor coloring in a coloring book you know it's it's a lot of talent and a lot of work so i hear you amen the difference amen yeah yeah and somebody comes up to me with this gorgeous speaking voice how do i get into voiceovers and i said well you take classes first to see if you're any good just because you have a beautiful voice doesn't mean shit (laughs) <laughs> you know, so. are you gonna have that. to bleep that out i don't no, know no, no, oh, no, good. not okay. at all no don't yeah, worry yeah no i have a very very shall we say potty mouth oh i love that i oh, love that yes well. we, always we have do. we good. do as well we're on our best behavior right yes, now we, we usually are. i know you're we, being angels we are a couple of, of, of salty sailors though uh, that's what you guys are delightful you really oh, are. Thank you, Diane. That's no. lovely. Yeah. So I'd love to. I'd love to sit down and have a drink with you. <laughs> well, you, you are right now because I'm having a scotch. So. <laughs> oh, how nice! Good for you. It's the only way you can get through drawing this book. That's right. Or, <laughs> or, or any activity in my life. I got. Listen, you you take what you can get, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what are you up to now as far as um, your Comic-Con appearances, which you've been doing a lot? Do you have any Comic-Cons coming up? Are you looking yes. to be a part of any cons? I have um, three, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Philadelphia in May. I don't okay. know the name of it, but that's there. And then I have something in near Baltimore in July. And that's okay. all I have. I just did one um, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, but I think I, I saw don't that remember cause... where. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, I've seen in these years now, and I've only done probably between five and seven a year. It's not like I'm I'm there every weekend, but I don't remember the names of the cities. I mean, you're meeting different types of fans, but they're all still fans at the end of the day. They're right? fans. Yeah. You go to a place, they have you set up with the thing, with the setup, with the table, with the pictures, with the huh, and then yeah. you go find a restaurant to eat if you're lucky, and you go to sleep, and then you do the same thing the next morning, mm-hmm. and you get on the plane that evening if you're lucky enough to live somewhere where there's a direct flight. Otherwise, you stay over one more night, and you have breakfast at the hotel, and then you go. So you don't see the city. And the, no, by the way, I was on the road for years as a backup singer. I don't know if you know that. I think um, I saw that in your yeah, 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 yeah. And and I never saw the city we were in. Well, I just knew that I went. We the bus 
took us to the thing and we had a mic check and a thing and went and we had a meal and then we put our makeup on and then we did the thing. And then we, you know, some of us went out and had a drink after. And then, you know, so I've seen the whole country. I just haven't seen the whole country. <laughs> right. You well, know? I- what acts, uh, any acts that we would know that you were a backup singer? Well, uh, again, it's generational. Do you know who Johnny Mathis is? I do, yes. I, I, I like quite a lot of old, older music. Okay, so. then you know that's who, that was my first professional job out of, uh, out of college. I went wow. to UCLA Theater Arts and, and, I, and I got my first job with him. Uh, and Andy Williams, these are all from, you know, and Margaret, a lot of good people. Well, Diane, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing all those amazing memories and stories with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've watched you as this character for over 30 years of my life. And wow. I will say that you will always be the definitive Poison Ivy to me. You're always going to live on as this character through generations and generations, as you've already started to witness. And you are the voice I hear in my head whenever I read a Poison Ivy comic book. So wow. you've, you've done the best job possible there. Well, now that is a really nice thing to say, and I really deeply appreciate it. Well, we thank appreciate you. So we appreciate you, and thank you so much for coming on. Okay, my pleasure. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? All right, everyone, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Diane was such a pleasure to talk to, wasn't she, bud? Absolutely, yeah. Really down to a lovely person. Absolutely. I loved learning what sides of herself she put into Ivy. I thought that was really cool, where she was just like, well, you know, her feminism and her, like, her intelligence, but also being a woman on her own and not needing a man to obviously be complete. She loved that. And that was part of her because she's quite a feminist herself. I loved all of that. I thought that was really cool that she put that into the character mm-hmm. uh, along with that voice. Like that voice is just so good. <laughs> My favorite thing is that she only found out six or seven years ago that she's like the iconic version of a character. That, and crazy, that, that right? to me is so funny. That was, that was nuts. Can you imagine someone just being like, you know that this show that you did like back in the 90s, everyone is still talking about it and watching this show and being like, Poison Ivy is the best, you know, one of the best villains of the whole show. Yeah, just so funny to me. All right, bud, since we didn't review an episode, we can't go into our usual games, but we can play Ace the Bat Sound. <laughs> This is a game I play with my brother where I'll play a musical clip from the show and he has to tell me which character it is for. He gets bonus points for describing what happens in the episode that the musical clip is from and even more points if he can name the episode. Buddy, are you ready for today's musical clip? I am. Yes, again. Menacing. It starts off like a bit digital video gamey almost, and then it goes into like this kind of 
quippy, fun, and then menacing, like, oh, yeah, actually, really menacing that song. Yeah. So Mad Hatter is incorrect. Is it that little girl doll character? No, that's actually pretty good. That's a pretty good guess because I can see where you're pulling from that. Her name is Baby Doll. It is not mm. Baby Doll. I will tell you that this is an iconic villain. No. Oh. One of Batman's classic villains that has been around since the start of Batman. Since the start of Batman, practically. Yes. Hmm. Penguin? No. We've done Penguin already. Buddy, I have, I have no idea. I am stumped. Would you like a voice? I'm going to have to. This is the first time I've actually got to do this. There it is. Is it Riddler? Yes, it's Riddler. <laughs> well done. Well, now I'm... Damn it, I was just about to play the game. <laughs> I was just trying to think, and I was like, he said digital video game. I was like, is the video game episode with Riddler, is that the first appearance? Well, no. I mean, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of the one where they go into the virtual reality, right? That yeah. uh, Robert uh, wrote that we had on as a guest last episode. Yeah. Um, it's not his first appearance. The first appearance is If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich, where he creates a video game that's so popular. Mm. I, I'm, I'm ruining the game. I'm telling you the plot of the episode. <laughs> you're to get. Yeah, he makes oh, a game that's so popular. Yeah, and then he gets fired, and then he wants to get his revenge on the... Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. And what's the title? I've said it during this this whole thing. I bet you've oh, already forgotten. I've literally yeah. just said it like five <laughs> seconds ago. It. Uh, the, the 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 game, the greatest game. Nope, not even close. I'm riddle me this. Batman. <laughs> is this is called Riddler on the Roof. Riddler on the Roof would be an amazing title, and it's literally 22 minutes of him just like playing a violin on a roof. <laughs> uh, it is called If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? Yes, you did say that. Um, all right, well, I spent time on these things, so here comes the Riddler quote. No, wait! Turn that key and there'll be three blades. But how do you? It's the C key. Trust me. It's a musical puzzle. The key of D has two sharps. The key of A has three. But the key of C has no sharps. I thought you'd appreciate a musical riddle in that. Well, I also just that that particular episode is really nostalgic for me. Like, I'm right back to watching it as a kid on television. I feel like that episode the, was on all the time. Yeah, and it also reminds me a bit of the Dexter's Lab episode when they played Dungeons and Dragons. Do you remember that episode? Oh yeah, you're right. Dexter is the dungeon master. Oh my god, I forgot about that episode. Mm. Yeah, because there's like gold dragons that shoot fire, like yeah, statues. Minotaurs. And Minotaurs, yeah, it's a great. I can't wait to get to that episode. I really, that's one of my favorites of the whole series. Actually. Yeah, it's really it good. Tickles me right in my nostalgic bean. And also, just the depiction of the Riddler in this show is just the best ever. And he's not like a giggling loon. He's a menacing, smart, like psychopath. Yeah, and suave as well, which I what I like about the Riddler. Me too. I like when the Riddler's a cocky git. Yeah, me too. Too smart for his own good. I like that. All right, our final category of the day is what you're doing with your life. Buddy, what are you reading, listening to, thinking about? What are the things that make you happy and make it worth getting out of bed in the morning? 
Oh, like I said, I've been on a huge Resident Evil 4 kick. Uh, I've watched the game play, play through once and I'm watching another YouTuber I like. Shout out to The Rad Brad, if you guys know who that is. This guy's been making YouTube videos, I feel like, for 15 years. Me and my wife love watching his videos. With because... a name like The Rad Brad, I'm not surprised. It was 15 years ago because that sounds like something you come up with 15 years ago and then you're like, oh, I regret that name. The great thing about The Rad Brad is that he doesn't play the games very well. And he just reminds me of like your old friends in New Jersey because he's like a bit broy and a bit like I don't want to say dumb because he's not, but he's just like he just oh, my is... friends my friends were dumb we were yeah all dumb. but just it just he is who he is and it's just I and like you don't watch Brad to watch someone like play like I had to watch someone else play the game properly first because he'll just ruin the experience for you if you're just watching him do it because like he you know it's just funny anyway. Shout out to Rad Brad. I'm sure a lot of people already know who I'm talking about because like he's been making YouTube videos since I think YouTube was uploaded. Just him in a room playing games. He doesn't show his face. He just chats and it's great. It's That's really cool. like, it's a comforting, warming presence having like his voice in the room. Well, it's like um, Babish, right? Like binging with Babish. Yeah, he and he's not, he, he's not over the top at all. He's not like, hey, I'm a YouTuber. Whoa. He's always just right. like, like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. And like, it's just really chill and like very like funny as well. It's good. He's not, he's like, he's not trying, which I really appreciate. It's like the absolute feeling of sitting down on a sofa with somebody and watching them play a game. Like if I was playing it with you, but I wasn't there, it's like that. And I really like that. So that's cool. Yeah. I've been enjoying that. Um, what else have I been enjoying? Was Mandalorian. Did you see the latest episode? I did. Yep. I'm we haven't, we haven't spoken show. about that because um my favorite bit that has sent the internet wild as well is the guy that saves baby yoda from order 66 is the same did you know this fact yeah because i couldn't watch the episode until friday so oh was it spoiled internet, for you oh big time spoiler, oh but yeah. that sucks because it was so great to see him and i'm like that's fucking jar jar binks yeah i so and, I, I knew it was coming watching the episode and, and i was I like well know. we're gonna get order 66 then so that was really fucking annoying me Oh, that sucks, because that was such a treat, not knowing, obviously, and watching it. And I also, I didn't know that he does play that Jedi character very briefly in episode one, at the parade at the end, when they're all like, oh, yeah? walking through Naboo. He's in that Jedi gear, and he's in the crowd, just like walking, you know, with everybody else, like the Emperor and all those people. And it's obviously because he's the voice of Jar Jar Binks and that, so they're like, hey, you can be a Jedi stand-in. Oh, that's just fucking Obi Wan in the background, just in full grief. My master, and everyone else is like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So I just, I just watched his body burn. The fucking Palpatine being like, oh, we have great expectations for young Anakin here, and everyone's like, oh no, that's gonna end bad. Uh, uh, no, I did, except I did. for except for this actor who's actually going to go down a very dark path and end up in jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no expectations um, there. I I enjoyed it. I I did enjoy it. Um, and now my wife, I believe, is watching the show with me now because she's I, she's, I, she's fully in. Yeah, I think because it's she's like it is what it is. It's it's like because she didn't like the slow episode either for the previous one. She's like, I just want to turn my brain off and see pew pew pow pow. And I'm like, yes, I do as well. Yeah, and so Baby Yoda was so fucking cute in this episode, dude. He just had so many amazing, like adorable moments, like just walking, just walking when he waddled to like the head of the Mandalorian group. I I actually I let out a. 
<laughs> it's it was just so adorable yeah that show's just just such easy watching it's just like i really feel like it's like i've shut my eyes and someone's telling me an old radio play on like a 1930s radio yeah, set and you know everybody has their tastes and it, and it differs but i saw i saw a fair amount of people that didn't like this episode i'm not really digging the season and besides the the and or like shoehorned in there in the, the previous episode um, I really don't. I I liked the dragon stealing the boy, yeah. and then this is all adventure, adventure of the week stuff, which is yeah. very appropriate for Mando. And you know what my wife's favorite bit was? Because she was like, when they killed the dragon, she's like, "What? Well, all those baby dragons are gonna die now." And I, I got really dark. I was like, "Well, the strongest will probably eat the youngest, and that's how that will survive." And she's like, "Shut up!" She like hated that. And when they came off the ship at the end, she was like, "Yay!" And I said to her, "I was like, do you know what they are now?" She said, "What?" Said they're foundlings, and she was like, "Oh, oh. she's like, oh, they're foundlings." <laughs> so crying. She's like, "Oh, baby, over." <laughs> yeah. I, so definitely. I have a prediction that is going to definitely be something that a character rides in the future. Oh, right? obviously. Like, I mean, and I wouldn't the, be surprised if it is like Baby Yoda with the fucking sword. Uh, with a dark saber and like on the back of a dragon, like well, that's probably, a heavy probably, metal cover. Probably Bo-Katan will be doing that. I mean, they the Mandalorian law is they used to ride those dragon-like creatures, so that's it's, true. It's gonna, it's definitely gonna happen, and it's better than the Rancor set up in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, now now my wife watches it with me, well, which is really nice because she just says like she likes the cute baby Yoda, um, and it's just like a good balance. And the and the other thing we randomly have watched recently. Is all the John Wick films? Yeah, you you sent me the most broiest thing you've ever sent me in your life. Where you're <laughs> like, "That's cool, bud. I'm about to like, like watch John Wick." And what did you say? Like, you're gonna like drink? Like... Well, we we had a movie night. We shut. So we our our living room has uh, pretty much like a wall of windows. So we shut our huge thick curtains over it. So it was pitch black in there. I got my lovely big 4K television, and we made popcorn and we had gummy bears and That's I filled right. I filled up like a fountain soda like a uh, drink because I have like a soda stream and we sat and like honestly I was in the theater like we also cranked the volume up and I was just sitting there in the dark like sipping on soda eating popcorn and my brain said you're in you're at the movies and I was like this is great like it was like like a home theater experience and we now we've decided that when we're rich we're gonna have our own home theater <laughs> but yeah she we started watching the first John Wick because my wife likes Keanu Reeves as a person, and we she watched... must have hated the beginning of that movie. Oh yeah, she and we watched. I made a forced her to watch the first two Matrix movies, and she enjoyed them. Um, and then uh, sometimes she's caught me watching an action movie, or like for instance, I was watching this movie called uh, Ip Man, where people were just getting wrecked. Mm. And my wife's like, "Do you know what? Like, I I'd like seeing people get like fucked up in like action <laughs> movies." And I was, and she's like, I'm in a really bad mood. And I just want to watch something that fucks people up. This was like a year ago. And I was like, well, do you want to watch the first John Wick movie? Because Keanu Reeves fucks the shit up of people in that. She's like, yeah. And we watched that and she loved it. And then just the other day, since the new movie's coming out, she's like, do you want to watch two and three this weekend and eat popcorn? I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> I've never... <laughs> You're like, marry me all over again. Yeah. I've never seen two and three. So I was like, all right, I'll give them a go. I went in with such low expectations. Yeah. And I actually, I enjoyed two. I thought two was a lot of fun. Two was okay, yeah. Three I thought is, three mm. went off the rails a lot. Big time. Uh, but I did love the two German Shepherds. 
take that scene is great. That I just don't great. think that should have been Halle Berry cast. It should have been the actress who plays Trinity in that role. Oh, really bring this my Matrix God, group around. that would have been so much better. Since we're already bringing back the Keymaster and Morpheus and like all yeah. these other characters, that would have been cool. But um, yeah, the third one's a bit weird, but the there's some great action scenes in the Amazing. third one. The killing a guy with a pencil in the library was so dirty. Yeah. And then snapping a guy's neck using a book was so dirty. And then this fight scene where they're smashing glasses. Ooh, you're making just... me want to watch John Wick now. This, this fight, well, I, I bought them on Apple, so you're more than welcome to watch them. Um, and it's an HDR 4K, baby. Okay. Um, and the scene where they smash the glass and they're throwing knives at each other and he stabs that knife into that one guy's eye. Oh my God, it was absolute. Re- and which me and my wife just kept screaming, get rats! Like anytime someone like was getting killed. <laughs> And yeah, so we just bonded over that. And we both said, like, look, they're shitty Hollywood movies. I, I did not go in expecting good story substance at all. But I came out with what it felt like being a kid again, watching, like, Desperado or, like, Demolition Man. Like, just, like, I'm here. Like, same with Mando. I'm here for the pew-pew and the pow-pow. And I've, I've been very satisfied with that recently. So I, she's up for watching another action movie and i was thinking of suggesting maybe tonight watching the raid because that's a lot of people getting wrecked yeah that that is a lot of people getting wrecked and it's a good movie and the Um, raid guys were in the third one if you need yeah if you want consistent like heart pumping like beat the shit out of people action then the raid is is definitely i would say right up there with john wick had been the same sort of thing um i also watched batman doom that came to gotham which is that new animated Mm. movie i read the book so i was like i'll check this out and it would be one of the closer animated dc movies that has stuck to the source material which i appreciated it didn't stray too far from it i thought the voice acting was pretty great um i can't tell you off the top of my head who did what character but they all did pretty well uh and i enjoyed it for the most part i was like this is pretty good for a dc animated movie Far better than some of the other ones that have recently come out. So that was good. And then I started reading Death of the Family again by Scott Snyder. Mm-hmm. Just because I haven't read it in a while. And fuck me, buddy. Is that just such a great Joker story? It's mm-hmm. so good. So the reason I bring up Death of the Family and just being such a great Joker story is I recently went on another podcast. I cheated on you. I went on a podcast <laughs> called For Comic Junkies, which is actually hosted by one of our listeners. That's how it came all about. His name is JJ. He reached out, asked me if I wanted to come on his show once again called For Comic Junkies to review Batman The Killing Joke, the animated movie that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like 2016 or something like that, um, which I hadn't seen in quite some time. So we reviewed it. We go into great detail. But through this conversation of uh, of the killing joke i realized that it actually wasn't like as good as i remember as far as the story of like joker and what he's trying to accomplish and made me realize that the much better story about trying to ruin batman and like basically break him is death of the family i just think it's such a better story about going after batman's bat family rather yeah. than like fucking up with gordon and like you know and barbara and well, all that stuff as i recall Alfred gets his hand chopped off and yes. uh, all the the members of the 
Bat family appear to like they've all their faces have been chopped off at one point, even though they haven't. And then then also like the whole matchbook underneath the chair to like set them all on fire and be like, you know, get rid of this bat family that makes you weak. We the Arkham inmates, we're your family. We're what makes you strong. It's just an amazing message. I love that scene when Bruce is, is in Arkham Asylum and he stops and he goes and visits Joker because he knows that he's Batman and he just doesn't turn around. Doesn't turn doesn't, around. Doesn't, doesn't want to look at him. Doesn't even notice, like, just, just pretends he's not just, like, completely not yes. there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's good. That's some good writing yeah. right there. It's just perfect. And I love in that story, too, where when Joker's escaping and there's that waterfall scene and Batman says, like, I know who you are. Like, I know your real name. And Joker's like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't expect <laughs> you to, like, get into my head like the way I've been trying to get into yours. It's genius. It's just such a great read. Uh, and I've now started to read more Snyder and Capullo because of it. Like, I'm just like, I'm going back into all of this yeah, Batman. That's what, hey, that's what inspired me. That whole series is what inspired me to become a comic book writer and artist. So there you go. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I think that's the episode, bud. Is there anything you want to add before we jet off? My Kickstarter ends on Friday, so if you'd still like to pick up a copy, now is the final chance to do so. And live on Tuesday, March 28th, me and my brother on YouTube giving away free signed comics at 6 p.m. English time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be there or be L7. That's right. So go to, it will be on your YouTube. So it's at Robson Inc. I-N-K. Yeah, youtube.com forward slash Robson Inc. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time where we'll continue talking all things Batman, the animated series. Until then, I've been Alex Robson. I've been Will Robson. And remember that we are Vengeance. We are the night. We are a podcast. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Toodles. Oh, you're my brother. You should never go deep with me with anything. <laughs> uh, you're such a horny little shit. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you wake up and you're like, how can I get off today? <laughs> and you, it's like, it's like uh, getting off is like a pick and mix for you because it's not just like, you know, probably you do have a go-to favorite, but you're like, oh, I've never tried that before. Mm, been, a, <laughs> been a finger butt player. Don't mind if I try it. And you put that in your little sex pick and mix cup. <laughs> and you go to the next station and you're like, oh, 69. Oh, that sounds fine. You put that, you put it in. and <laughs> I love the idea of a pick and mix. All right, let's mix a little bit of uh, butt play with MILFs and (laughs) finish off with Bukaki. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the perfect treat. You know what would be funny is, uh, we're not going to do this, but it would be funny to compare every, like, classic pick and mix choice with, like, a different style of getting off. Oh, yeah. You know, like flying saucers and gummy worms and all that stuff. Well, what would you say is, like, the classic Gummy bear. Okay, gummy bear. I would say gummy bear. Everyone has a gummy bear in this. I'd say that's just what? Like straight up regular old sex missionary? Yeah, that's just like regular porn, right? Where it's just like... Oh, okay, regular porn, right, okay. Yeah, or like regular sex. There's two people fucking on a video. That's a gummy bear. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love how you're like, we're not going to do this, and suddenly we're doing it. (laughs)
Now, my favorite are the Coca-Cola bottles. That's what I've always gone for. Oh, what would that be? Because that's still, it's not classic, but it's close to it, right? It's, it's not pretty like damn close. Outlandish. So I would say like. Girl on girl. Yeah, yeah. Or like big butts. Big butts. Hey, I like all these things. Check, <laughs> check. <laughs> no wonder I choose the Coke bottles all the time. Uh, God. What's the Coke uh, slogan? Um, um, when you're here, you're Coca-Cola. <laughs> I love how what we does have a, Does Cola have a slogan? It must do, right? Yeah. Coca-Cola. Uh, I was about to go. Dr. Pepper, up. you make the world taste, taste better. better. Is there one for Sprite? This shit's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the other choice is seven up, and you don't want that. Let's have a look, shall we? Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I'm loving it. That's McDonald's. Coca-Cola slogan. Its current slogan is taste the inflation. No, it's not. No, it can't be. No, that's a joke because then because <laughs> they're, they're continuing to raise prices in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, tasty inflation. That'd be hilarious if they're like, we're list ripping of, you up. Okay, list of Coca-Cola slogans. So let's see. The first one was in 1886. Drink Coca-Cola. Classic. <laughs> I'm ready to do it. I don't know about you. 1905. Coca-Cola revives and sustains. That's well, that was too... when it was supposed to be medicinal. I guess so. 1906. Oh, they didn't like that one for too long. No. The great national temperance beverage. <laughs> they weren't. They didn't want to blow it up back then, right? They were just oh, like, well, 1908 brings it a bit more good till the last drop. Oh, mm, that mm, mm, that tasty, tasty. Now tasty. that's the slogan I want to use for our porno slash pick and mix combo. <laughs> good till the last. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might say that in bed next time. <laughs> well, after you finish. <laughs> Good till the last drop. <laughs> oh, that's you really... know what? We're gonna have to read all of these, by the way. So prepare for an extended podcast. There is I'll a... try and go quickly because there's there's, there's, there's one like every year for the past hundred years. Uh, Nineteen ten. Whenever you see an arrow, think of Coca Cola. Why? <laughs> what? Uh, Nineteen seventeen. Three million a day. So I guess three million at that point. Three people were drinking three million Coca Colas a day. Yeah. And that's the start of World War II. Ooh. I mean, one, sorry. So why uh, would World War One? I thought they would have to ration that shit. Three million? What is that? All they, that was all that was in production was just Coca-Cola. No one else could eat. They had to, like, you know, ration everything. But Coca-Cola, they, they had a stockade, baby. I guess so. 1922, thirst knows no season. Oh, that's pretty good. That's like a still like kind of threatening, clip. though. Hang on, do you think three million a day wasn't three million people drink Coca Cola? They're like three million a day. People are dying. <laughs> it's, it's the <laughs> war. <laughs> in World War One, three million people a day are dying. <laughs> Have a Coke. Nineteen twenty-three. Enjoy thirst. Now that sounds like bad. <laughs> you wouldn't have that slogan running in a third world country. That's all I'm saying. Nope. Uh, Nineteen twenty-four. Refresh yourself. Refresh yourself. I'm refreshing in my full capabilities. <laughs> 1925. Six million a day. Oh, wow. They're really growing. Wow. That shut up. 1926. It had to be good to get where it is. <laughs> 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 Look, 
They're selling six million there. It's got to be good. You should try one. I think that was someone like in the boardroom, like, come on, guys, it had to be good to get where it is. And they're like, genius, put that on the box. And he's like, all right. Now there's two in 1927. I think the second one's better. 1927, pure as sunlight. That does not sound like a Coca-Cola to me. That sounds like Fanta or something. Right? Yeah, or like Sprite. By the way, I am so thirsty for a soda right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it's I know really worked. I'm putting in an order to my wife. <laughs> Hang on. All right, I put my order. Okay, next. This is the better one from 1927. Around the corner from anywhere. Now, that's good. That's a Don Draper line right there, right? Yes, that is a Don Draper Coca-Cola. Around the corner from anywhere. Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to go and buy a Coke right now. It's around the corner. <laughs> All right, 1928. There's, there's someone that lives out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, no, it ain't. Fuck you, Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, all right, 1928. Coca-Cola, pure drink of natural flavors. That's bad. Mm -mm. 1929. The pause that refreshes. So I guess people used to take like a Coke break or something like that. Oh, I see. Gotcha. 1932. Ice cold sunshine. They were really pushing like the sunshine, but it's like a black drink. It's yeah. dark. Again, right? I associate Sprite with sunshine, right? Yeah, and, like, exactly. Like lemons and Fanta. Yeah. yeah. 1938. I don't know. This is very fun. This is a podcast about Batman, but we're doing this. 1938. Wait. The best friend thirst ever had. That's weird. 1938. Again, thirst asks nothing more. These are bad. Those are both bad. Yeah, 38 sucked. 1930, all right, now we're getting into World War II territory. 1939, Coca-Cola goes along. What, to war? To war. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what it would be today. Like, Coca-Cola stands with the U.S. Army, you know? Coca-Cola goes along with you to your grave because you're going to die with one of them on your person. Well, 1939 is their, definitely their longest slogan. 1939, whoever you are, whatever you do, wherever you may be, when you think of refreshment, think of ice cold Coca Cola. That sounds like the opening of like a comic book or like yeah. like a superhero. Like villains beware, whoever you are, wherever yeah. you may be. I am think... Coca Cola. All right, that's 1939. Do you think they were like we gotta we still gotta sell Coke to like the Axis party, right? Like Japan and Italy that's and, true. And, and Germany. So they're like whoever you are, whatever you do. <laughs> Wherever you may be. Call us Switzerland, baby, because we're selling to everybody. That's true. I think that was a very tact tactical one. Now, there wasn't one for three years after that, because I guess there was something called World War II going on. Um, 1942. The only thing like Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola itself. It's true. That's yeah, probably... Oh, do you think this when Pepsi was like, Pepsi hey, was on the... Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. 1945. Passport to refreshment. Hmm, okay. What, so you can travel the world with Coke now? Maybe it's started <laughs> being on airlines or something like that. Sir, do you have your passport? No, I have my Coca-Cola. That's all I need. 1947, Coke knows no season. They, so they brought that back. So they're saying this, like they were really pushing the sunshine thing, right? And the people, they must have seen a dip in their cells in the winter. And they were like, no, oh, Coke knows no season. <laughs> you can boil it up and put it in a stew. Uh, where there's Coke, there's hospitality from 1948. Meh. 1949, along the highway to anywhere. That's another good one. 1952, what you want is a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Oi, and... mate, what you want is a fucking Coke. Yeah, you know what? That would be the one that would work on you. You're like, yeah, I I'd do. Be like, Here's the thing. I, oh, and I put my order in. I, I think <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get a Sprite. Uh, 1954. You're going to get a Sprite after that whole thing? I don't think I have any Coke. Actually, no, we, I do. Hang on. 
oh my god, she hasn't even seen my message yet. Outrageous. It's she's outrageous. Probably, she, she's probably <laughs> she's probably drinking coke. Like ah. <laughs> uh, nineteen fifty four for people on the go. So I guess they were pushing like a it's a quick thing. So what well, I guess no, it's like coffee, right? Yeah, yeah. it's caffeine. Yeah, so it's like I guess you're not going to sit and wait for your coffee when you could just go in the fridge and get a nice cold Coca Cola. Yeah, but also it's supposed to represent on the go means like you need energy because you're always on the move. I feel like this is a 101 and how to like market like brand your item to make it extremely successful, right? I mean, a couple of these I might use for Benny's Pizza. <laughs> I don't think anybody would notice. 1956. Hang on, Coca- Benny's Pizza's latest one. Whoever you are, whatever you believe, <laughs> <laughs> whether you're a conservative or <laughs> uh, 1956, Coca-Cola makes good things taste better. Now that's one I recognize. That's I think that's the kind of like their slogan now, right? Like life ta- is it life tastes better? Is their slogan now? Well, we well, buddy, we got seventy more years to go. Just strap in. Are you right. serious? Oh, fucking hell! This is. Gonna I'll, be... I'll try. I'll go quick. This is going to be some post credits. Yeah, let's let's let's. All get right, nineteen fifty-seven. Sign of a good taste. Nineteen fifty-eight. The cold, crisp taste of a Coke. Now that's a good one. That yeah, that's a good one. That makes me want to have that cold, crisp Coca-Cola. I like the word crisp and the word cold. <laughs> so does Mr. Freeze. He's like, I want a Coca-Cola. <laughs> 1959. Now this one lasted for four years. 1959. Be really refreshed. Be really refreshed. <laughs> that's bad. 1963. The first year the Beatles came around. Let's see. Things go better with a Coke. Now, I like that, too. I'm having a sandwich. Might as well have a Coke with it. <laughs> having a burger and french fries. Oh, you know you want that big daddy Coke. <laughs> 1969. So that one lasted for a while. It's the real thing. See, also, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. That's how Mad Men ends. Oh, yeah. That's because that was a very famous advert. Um, 1975. So skipped like five years. Wow, that Just... lasted a long time then, that slogan. Look up, America. What? So, like, Superman? I think maybe because of the moon landing, but that happened, like, years before that. So you said 75? 1975. Look up, America. And, like, Star Wars hadn't come out. Superman hadn't come out yet. So, 75. That's Jaws. That makes no sense. Mm. Look down, America. That's a shark. (laughs) 1976. Coke adds life. That's bad. 1979. Have a Coke and a smile. Mm, That sounds a bit bad. That's you know, it's like when people say to fucking women, like you smile. Oh yeah, that's such a terrible thing to say. You're saying that right now. Stop it. Have a Coke instead. Um, (laughs) And don't smile whilst you have it. Yeah, and don't enjoy it. I hope you hate Coke. 1980. Coke is it. Uh, We're in the 80s now, bud. Where I think they were talking totally about. Different. I think they were talking. Yeah, it's like cocaine is probably what they're talking about. 1985, America's real choice. Really putting pushing patriotism. I guess that's uh, is that Vietnam? like the, uh, no uh, 1985. So that's oh. all like the Russian Cold War scare stuff. Oh yes, well, not yes. Cold War, but you know what I mean. Um, let's see, 1985 again. Also, that didn't like that for a while. We've got a taste for you. Uh oh, Coke. I don't want you tasting me. 1986, Red, White, and You. Wow, this is a patriotic time. Wow. More patriotic than during World War One and World War II. Well, in, okay. World War, in World War II, they were like, you could be anybody as long as you drink a Coke. <laughs> now they're like, America's only. Yeah, they're, they're really pushing it. 1986, Catch the Wave for new Coke. Uh, I guess they brought new Coke. All right, so we're getting up on 87 now. This is the year 87, born. year you were born. When Coca-Cola is a part of your life, you can't beat the feeling. Bad. That's all right. That's it's not bad. Great. 
1988. But you know what, buddy? When I'm a part of your life, you just can't beat the feeling. It's true. The feeling of hate. Um... (laughs) 1988 can't beat the feeling so they were like we'd still like it we're just gonna make it shorter that's such an 80s like slogan though right like mm. you know like it sounds like it could be one of those like i don't know whitney houston songs or something like can't beat the feeling now i like this next one even though it's going back to the the seasons but oh, 19 your order oh, is my arriving. order is in we're reading off the slogans to all of coca-cola slogans and, and that's why you want me to bring it yes the advertising <laughs> works for me <laughs> Thank you, love you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's keep reading them. Well, hang on. We've just created a new slogan right there. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With like six W's in that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mama Magaleo. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the official soft drink of summer. I like that because... It's like, you know, but they go the back summer. to the summer again. But hey, oh, you know what? 1989, Batman, biggest summer blockbuster of all time. And they were like, isn't that like the official movie of the summer? So I guess they, yes, yeah, that was a big summer. Yeah. And also, Coca Cola did adverts for Batman. Yes, they did. They had Michael Goff's Alfred being like, hello, Wayne Manor, we're out of Coca Cola. I've sent uh, someone to pick it up. And the Batmobile like roars up to a corner shop. It was great. All right. 1990, the year I was born. Can't beat the real thing. Again, pushing against, I guess, maybe that's when all the supermarket knockoffs were coming out or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Now, 1993, my favorite one, because it's our childhood one. Always Coca-Cola. You've just broken my brain. That's <laughs> the phrase and the song. Oh, my God. And, you know, if you just said always Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. like that, that sounds pretty good. But that jingle is just like that is etched into my brain that's what i was trying to think at mm. at the beginning of this conversation was there's a classic one i'm forgetting now that's also really don drapery because it's like you could see the little kids in the car and stuff and then they say like like what do you want to drink jimmy and he says always coca-cola well he wouldn't say it like that because that'd be weird if <laughs> it's just a like, don draper in the back with like you know with the little spinny hats on <laughs> Still smoking a, gi- a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette with a giant lollipop. Always Coca-Cola. What a fuck. <laughs> I cheat on my wife regularly. You want me to go down? God damn it, Jimmy. I love you. 1995. Always and only Coca-Cola. <laughs> and a, a bit too much. That's, there, that's very exclusive, right? Like, always is enough. You don't need to say only. Like, you can't, even, you can't even drink anything else. You're not mm. allowed. That one ran for three years. Always and only. That's lame. 1998, Born to be Red. I don't remember that one at all. Oh, my God. I was eight years old. I was still vibing on Always Coca-Cola. 1998, Coca-Cola, Always the Real Thing. Apparently that was in the UK, that one. All starting with Always. Uh, 1999, Coca-Cola, Enjoy. I remember Enjoy on all the cans. I do remember that. That sounds so passive aggressive. Like I, I feel like that's when like someone's pissed off at you at a restaurant because you've sent food back like three or four times. Mm. And by the fourth time they're like, enjoy. And they just like chuck it on the table, like fucking eat it. Now, the slogan for 2001, the year that the towers fell, not a very good slogan. For oh no. Life tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Whoopsie. All right, the next 2003, 2005 were apparently some uh, aggressive times. 2003, here it is. Real. Real? Just real. That's it. Real. 
2005. Make it real. <laughs> Why is it all like dreams? Like follow your dreams. 2006. The Coke side of life. Always oh, look on the Coke side of life. That's the bubbles opening. If you I feel like it. I feel like a, a lot of druggies were like, <laughs> I'm there, buddy. Yeah, I'm part of Coke side of life, but. 2009, Open Happiness. Blah, crap. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's really cheesy. Oh, I do remember this one. 2016, Taste the Feeling. Oh, yeah, I remember Taste the Feeling. 2020 was Turn Up Your Rhythm. Really? We're all locked and fucking side. <laughs> we all gained like 30 pounds, but they're like, lose some weight. Drink Diet Coke. <laughs> Coca-Cola, turn up the scales. You're about to get fat. 2020, they changed it immediately to Together Taste Better. But we couldn't be fucking together, Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you could drink a Coke. All right, and then the, the only one that right now, until 2021, Real Magic. That's the current oh, slogan. Lame. Yeah, so there we go. That was so weird, but I, you know what? I enjoyed that, and I would do another segment of, what's that slogan <laughs> over the years? Well, this is all in the post-credits, so if people want to stick around, you've just got about 20 minutes worth of bonus ah, content. I'm enjoying a nice, crisp, cold Coca-Cola. Whatever year that one I liked. Have yourself a cold, crisp Coca-Cola. I wonder how many people have actually gone and bought a Coke. If you've bought a Coke, let us know, because that's hilarious. <laughs> and what, what slogan's your favorite? I think always Coca-Cola for the nostalgic level, but I do like yes. the cold crisp one as well. Yeah, or the Don Draper one, which is um, available around the corner anywhere. Available around the corner anywhere. That's a great, great line. Love great it. One. All right, are we ready to do this podcast? <laughs> yes, it's been half. Oh my god, yes, let's do the podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 